I had the certainty that at that moment he knew I was talking nonsense. Come to my house sometime, he finally said, taking his eyes away from me. Perhaps we could talk there with more ease. I didn't know what else to say. I felt uneasy. After a while, Bill came back into the room. He recognized my discomfort and didn't say a word. We sat in tight silence for some time. Then the old man got up. His bus had come. He said goodbye. It didn't go too well, did it? Bill asked. No. Did you ask him about plans? I did, but I think I goofed. I told you, he's very eccentric. The Indians around here know him, yet they never mention him. And that's something. He said I could come to his house, though. He was bullshitting you. Sure, you can go to his house, but what does it mean? He'll never tell you anything. If you ever ask him anything, he'll clam up as if you were an idiot talking nonsense. Bill said convincingly that he had encountered people like him before, people who gave the impression of knowing a great deal. In his judgment, he said, such people weren't worth the trouble, because sooner or later one could obtain the same information from someone else who didn't play hard to get. He said that he had neither patience nor time for old fogies, and that it was possible that the old man was only presenting himself as being knowledgeable about herbs, when in reality he knew as little as the next man. Bill went on talking, but I wasn't listening. My mind kept on wondering about the old Indian. He knew I'd been bluffing. I remembered his eyes. They had actually shone. I went back to see him a couple of months later, not so much as a student of anthropology interested in medicinal plants, but as a person with an inexplicable curiosity. The way he had looked at me was an unprecedented event in my life. I wanted to know what was involved in that look. It became almost an obsession with me. I pondered it, and the more I thought about it, the more unusual it seemed to be. Don Juan and I became friends, and for a year I paid him innumerable visits. I found his manner very reassuring and his sense of humor superb, but above all, I felt there was a silent consistency about his acts, a consistency which was thoroughly baffling to me. I felt a strange delight in his presence, and at the same time I experienced a strange discomfort. His mere company forced me to make a tremendous re-evaluation of my models of behavior. I had been reared, perhaps like everyone else, to have a readiness to accept man as an essentially weak and fallible creature. What impressed me about Don Juan was the fact that he didn't make a point of being weak and helpless, and just being around him ensured an unfavorable comparison between his way of behaving and mine. Perhaps one of the most impressive statements he made to me at that time was concerned with our inherent difference. Prior to one of my visits, I had been feeling quite unhappy about the total course of my life, and about a number of pressing personal conflicts that I had. When I arrived at his house, I felt moody and nervous. We were talking about my interest in knowledge, but as usual, we were on two different tracks. 
I was referring to academic knowledge that transcends experience, while he was talking about direct knowledge of the world. Do you know anything about the world around you? he asked. I know all kinds of things, I said. I mean, do you ever feel the world around you? I feel as much of the world around me as I can. That's not enough. You must feel everything, otherwise the world loses its sense. I voiced the classical argument that I didn't have to taste the soup in order to know the recipe, nor did I have to get an electric shock in order to know about electricity. You make it sound stupid, he said. The way I see it, you want to cling to your arguments despite the fact that they bring nothing to you. You want to remain the same even at the cost of your well-being.